we've been preaching a series, the Create series. We started with Why Clean? And we're asking the Holy Spirit to create a clean heart in us, renew a steadfast spirit. Then we went on to talking about, won't you be my neighbor? That was our second series question. Won't you be my neighbor? And we learned that love is important and that all of our fellow men are our neighbors. And we must love them and care for them and show them the love of Christ and tell them the truth of the gospel of Christ in love. Then last week we said, what's the point? What's the point? Talked about purpose in our lives, and, and we are here for a purpose, and our sovereign God is working everything in our lives for his purpose and his will. So what's the point? Today I ask you a question, why invest? Why invest? I found this from Investopedia. Can you believe it? Online there's something called Investopedia. And, and, and Investopedia told me that there are two ways to make money in our modern world. Now, don't get worried. I'm not going to preach about money and making money. I would be the wrong one to do that anyway. It's about making money, at least. But by working or by letting our assets work for us, is what Investopedia said. Working and earning money or whatever we might already have and leveraging that to make more on that investment. Two ways to make money in our modern world. Now, some of us make money and we have what we call a life savings and we may keep that life savings in a certain place. Maybe your back pocket. I've been in an in a old country store places before and a gentleman will maybe pull out that wallet and it'll be about that thick and it looks like he's carrying every penny he's ever made in his life in that old wallet. You may know people like that or an old envelope. Some people put their money in coffee cans. Folgers. Some people hide their money under the mattress. But can I tell us that if we are doing those things physically speaking or economically speaking with our money, then we're only going to have the amount of money that we've already saved. We'll never make anything more from that money. But spiritually speaking this morning, God has invested a lot of things into our lives and God help us not to take the talents and the abilities and the giftedness and even the time that God has invested in our lives and hide it under a mattress or put it in a coffee can, so to speak. But the only way to grow for God and to impact others for Christ's sake is not to take our talents and our treasures and hide them and hoard them, but it is to use them. And maximize them. And then we see as we look at this parable today. That in so doing God will add to what we already have. So our question today is how are we investing what God has already given to us. So let's look at God's investment. God has made an investment in us. If you've turned with me already to Matthew 25. Go down please to verse 14 and 15. And let's look at this parable that Jesus gave. He said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, and to another two talents, 
And still another he gave one talent, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Now as I was preparing for this sermon and and I was studying different resources and I was listening to different people who had preached and taught about this parable, I found an interesting comment that T.D. Jakes had made in a sermon about this parable. He said, we must understand the gulf or the separation in position from the master to the servant to fully understand the conversation. That's an amazing thought when you think about it, that if you look, this master was at such a level. If you study out the amounts of talents, the money that he invested into each of these servants, he would, by today's standards, be a multi-multi-millionaire, if not maybe a, a, a billionaire with a B. And the servants were people who had no goods of their own. The servants were people who owned nothing. Servants were people in these days who had no rights to anything. And so the fact that the master would take time to even talk and converse with the servants is an amazing concept and thought in itself. But I think about you and I and I think about our Lord and our master, Jesus Christ. I had no rights in myself. I had nothing in myself to offer him. And in fact, apart from Christ, I am a sinful servant, a sinful beggar. But yet, Christ, who was rich in mercy, died for you and me. And this great master of the universe chose to converse with us, to reach out to us, to extend to us. Jesus breached that gulf that separated us as, if I can say it this way, servants from the master. But not only did he communicate with us, not only did he draw us to himself, not only did he, if we have accepted the gift of salvation, he has saved our souls. Not only has he done all of that, but he chose to invest into our lives. Here in the parable, he invested at different levels. He invested five talents to one of the gentlemen. He invested two talents to another. And he invested one talent to the third. And at first, I would look at that. And you might look at that. And we might say, why? Now, the parable tells us according to each one's ability. So he's not going to give them more than they can handle. He's not going to give them more than they're able to, to deal with and use. But we in life, sometimes it is easy for us to look at someone else and say, why do they have all the time in the world? Why do they have so much materialistically? Why is their family so blessed? Why do they have such a talent? Why can they play a musical instrument when all I get on the radio is static? We might say, why? But can I tell you, when we study this out and we go deeper into this, we see that the master gave each one of them, each of the servants, what would be the equivalent of a massive amount of wealth. Now, how will that preach to us this morning? It'll preach greatly to you and I this morning because whatever God has blessed me with, whatever God has blessed you as an individual left, it is a massive amount and you and I have a massive amount to offer this world. 
Yes, there are some people who are operating at a five-talent level and some at a two-talent and some at a one-talent. But I don't want to be jealous of someone else's talents. How about you this morning? I think it came up in Sunday school class, even that same topic. But I want to be excellent at the level that God has placed me. I want to be excellent with what God has given me. And with excellence, I want to use what God has given me to bless his name, to glorify his kingdom, and to help somebody else. So instead of focusing on what I don't have, may I focus on what God has given to me. And every one of us in this room can impact and reach people for the gospel that no one else can. We all are uniquely placed, we are all uniquely purposed, and we are all uniquely assigned. And there are things that I can do that maybe you can't, but there are people and things that you can do that I could never reach. So may we use what God has given us. May we be excellent at the level where God has placed us. So then if we do those things, then we will see a return on our investment. It's kind of comical to me when you think about some of the materialistic returns that we can get on investments. When I was just a child at the Abs Valley Church of God that sat right parallel to the little two-lane road, we did a little contest of inviting people to church on Wednesday nights. And I won, it was probably 1986 or 87, and I won a $100 savings bond. Praise God. I still have that $100 savings bond. And one of these days, I'm going to cash that investment in, and I'm going to collect it and all the interest, $110.36. I'm going to cash it in. You better be nice to me now before I come into my inheritance. But it's kind of comical when you think about materialistically the returns that we might or might not get on our investments. But I can assure us that if we take our lives and the things and the, and the talents and the possessions and the time and resources that God has given us in our lives and we'll invest them for the glory of God, if we'll invest them to help others, one day we'll have a, a return on that investment that we'll never be able to really comprehend. Store up my treasures in heaven where rust and, and moth and all those things can't corrode them and, and damage them. How about you this morning? Are we storing up treasures in heaven? Let's look at Matthew 25, 16 through 18. It says, then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them. And he made another five talents. Now, that was a pretty good return on his investment. Verse 17, and likewise, he who had received the two gained two more also. So he had a good return on his investment for the Lord, for the master. Verse 18, but he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. You see, if we're going to have success in our lives, it's going to depend on two things. God's gift to us, but also our work for him. We must put into action. We must be doers 
The gospel message is a message of, of verbs, not just nouns, but verbs of doing. And, and my success and your success, our return on investment of this life that God has blessed us with. And hasn't he blessed us with life? That return on that investment and everything that he has given is going to depend on our working and our doing. Now let me be careful right here and let me just clarify very quickly. I'm not saying that our working earns our salvation. Our salvation is a gift from God that we could never earn. We just receive it. But once we have received that gift of salvation, then naturally and spiritually we should start working for God for his kingdom. And God always gives us everything that we need to do what we're called to do. So whatever it is that God is putting on your heart, whatever it is that God has put in your mind, whatever it is that, that God is stirring you to do or to say or to reach out to, to someone, he has already given you everything you need. Step out and do what God has called us. Ephesians 2.10 says it this way. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand. That we should walk in them. Charles Stanley said this. Everything we have is a gift from God. Our time. Our treasures. Our skills. Our spiritual gifts. Our work. Our relationships. But my question to us this morning is how are we going to use that? How are we going to steward those things? The word this morning to us to grab a hold of is that word stewardship. Stewardship. God has given me life. God has given me opportunities. God has given me family and work and talents and skills and even treasure. But how am I going to steward those things? How am I going to practice stewardship that will glorify God and bless others? That's why we're here. Daryl Waller said that God gives us the ability to make wealth. So that we can invest it into other people. And so we work for the master, not for our own selfish good. I want to ask us a question this morning. I want to ask this question, am I selfish or am I serving? And only you and I as individuals can, can really answer that question this morning. But I would encourage us to take some time today and, and think about that. Am I selfish or am I serving? Am I concerned only with myself and my pleasure and my agenda? Or am I serving to be of use? Am I available for the use of the master? Am I available for the things of, of God and to help and bless others? Am I selfish or am I serving? Another definition of selfish was lacking consideration. Am I lacking consideration? Let me just preach gently to us this morning as believers. We need to have consideration for those who don't know Jesus Christ. We need to, we, we could fall into such a pattern of just coming here every week and, and midweek and different events and just being fed and blessed and fed and blessed and fed some more. We eat a lot, you know. Oh, I'm talking about spiritual feeding. We, we could come and we could just, just enjoy all of these wonderful things. And they are wonderful. But if we aren't careful, we could become consumer Christians. And we're just worried about getting our, our own needs met. And getting our own wants met. And, and things just being exactly the way we want them to be. 
But God, help us to be considerate of what others need. God, help us to realize that part of this gospel is not just us coming together and being blessed, but it's also going and propelling us to serve and to minister and bless others. If you believe that, say amen this morning. So that will give us then our return on our investment. Look with me, uh, and I want us to talk about a concept called anticipate. As we're serving, then, then there's something that is interwoven within this parable that I wouldn't do it justice if we didn't talk about this component of the parable. Look at verse 19, Matthew 25, 19. He said, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. A long time, but then the Lord, the master, he came and he settled accounts with them. Why did you, pastor, use that word anticipate? If I'm anticipating something, I'm depending on it happening. If I'm anticipating something, I'm, I'm waiting for it. If I'm anticipating something, I'm, I'm counting on it. We know, and we're excited. Well, what are you anticipating, pastor? I'm anticipating that the master will return. I want to ask us a question this morning as a body of believers. Do we still believe that the master, our Lord and master Jesus Christ, do we still believe that he will return one day? Do we still believe that? Or is that just an old fogey doctrine somewhere along the... Do we still believe it? We believe it, don't we? Let me ask us another question then. Are we anticipating it? Are we anticipating his coming? Are we living today as if today could be his arrival? Because it could be. Are we anticipating? Are we depending on it? Are we accounting for it? Are we excited about it? Can I propose to myself and to you that we can get so caught up in living and life and the things of this world and this earth that we live that maybe, just maybe, sometimes we can lose our excitement and our anticipation that Jesus will come again. But may I remind us all this morning that we should have great excitement. We should have great anticipation because our Lord is coming back to earth again. He is coming back. And they took the talents that God had given them or the master in the parable had given them and they used them and one buried them. But you can rest assured the master was going to come back. And one day he is going to come or call for you and for me. And he's going to settle up. And we're going to give an account to him of how we have lived our lives. We're going to give an account to him how we have used those things that he has blessed us with. And I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. He's coming. And on that day when I give an account to my master, I won't get to bring any of you with me when I stand before him and he settles up, so to speak. It's an individual thing. It's an individual thing. And ultimately at the end of the day, we as individuals must make our own decisions. In the Sunday school lesson that Sister Allison so well 
well taught this morning to us and was talking about the man and he kept making excuses in the lesson this morning. The gentleman we talked about, he kept making excuses. When I stand before the master, I can't blame you and you can't blame me. When I stand before the master, I'll not stand as an entire family or, or with my wife or with anybody else. It'll just be me. And God has given me and me alone the free will to make some important decisions in my life. The most important decision that I must make is to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. My mother can't do that for me. My church can't do that for me. And taking membership at my church does not make me a born-again Christian. But as an individual, we must all make our calling and election sure. As an individual, we must ask Jesus Christ to come into our lives, to forgive our sins, and to become our Lord and our Master. How about it this morning? As an individual, have you done that? How about your heart? Is it right with God? How is your walk with the Lord? For those of us who have already made that decision, how are we using the days and the time that God has given to us? Are we, are we fulfilling the purpose that he has for us day in and day out? You see, our master will return. Even the context of where this parable lies within Matthew 25 also speaks to the fact that Jesus Christ is going to come again. If you look prior to that, you see the parable of the ten virgins, five wise and five foolish. Five had oil in their vessels and five did not when the bridegroom came back. And Jesus is continuing on interwoving that theme into this next parable. Our Lord is coming back again. May we anticipate it. Let's read about it. Matthew 25, start at verse 20, please. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more besides them. His Lord said to him, well done. Everybody say that, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. What a beautiful passage. Keep going with me. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. And he said also to this servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. You see, I believe that if we accept Christ as our Savior, and then if we purpose in our heart to live our lives with excellence, excellence, Excellence. Then we can anticipate three things that we see right here from this parable. One, we have a commendation that's coming. What is that commendation? Well done. We have a promotion that is coming. What is that promotion that is coming? He said, you've been faithful over a few things, but now I'm going to make you ruler over many and then there is an invitation, a divine invitation that I see right here in that parable. What is that invitation? He says, enter into the joys of the Lord. 
What a beautiful day it's going to be when we hear those final words said and we know that we have made it to our eternal heavenly home. Anybody anticipating that? Anybody wanting that? Anybody want to hear your master say, well done, your good and faithful servant? Anybody want to have that invitation where he says, come on in? Yes, and enter in to the joys of the Lord. The old songwriter said, what a day that will be when my Jesus I will see. Takes me by the hand, leads me through the promised land. There will be no sorrow there, no more burdens to bear. Oh, what a day, what a glorious day that will be. Some that we have known in this life that were even pillars of our families or even pillars of this church have outstripped us and they have left and they have given their accounting to the Lord. And I believe there are many, many, many who have already heard him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Hebrews 11 talks about those many that were biblical heroes that have done it with excellence and, and talks about wherefore being encompassed about with all these clouds of witnesses. Then let us run that race that is set before us. And I encourage us this morning to make, here's my final point today, to make the right decision. Make the right decision. Look with me. Here's where I want to I want to end it with this, verse 24. Then he who received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even that which he has will be taken away. You wonder, we wonder sometimes why some people have so much and why some people seem to be so fruitful for God. And can I propose to you that many times it's because they have taken what God initially gave them and they used it and God increased it. So today you might be a one talent person, but tomorrow you might be two talent person. And three years from now, you might be a five talent person. If we take and use what God has given us, he will multiply and add to what he has given us. But unfortunately, the negative side of that is if you snooze, you lose. The negative side of that is the, the one that had the one and didn't use it, it was taken away from him. God, help us to use what we have. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Keep moving. Then he said this, sad, sad words. And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Was this a lost man? 
He's getting cast into outer darkness, weeping, gnashing of teeth. All of that is symbolic of a place that's called hell. Do we believe in a place called hell? Do we, do we still believe, you know, I asked us earlier if we believed in heaven, if we wanted to go to heaven. Do we believe that scripturally there is a hell? Unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately, there is a place called hell. There is a place of eternal punishment. The Bible describes it in many ways. Here he calls it a place of outer darkness and weeping and gnashing of teeth. This man was a lost man. Let me be very careful as we close it out right here. He didn't go to hell because he didn't work. We're not saved because of our works. He went to hell because he didn't know his master. If you read at the very beginning, he said, I know you to be a hard master. Can I tell you right there shows me he didn't know the master. Because Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And Jesus described who he was in this parable. He said he was wicked and he was lazy. Blame God if we want to. Blame others if we want to. But it is our heart that matters before God. And if my heart is wicked and my heart is lazy, it's not your fault. And it's not God's fault. But this servant's heart was wicked and it was lazy and he refused to work for God and then he made excuses and he accused God even how many times in our world today or in our families where people have grudges against God. I want to tell you that God loves us so much that he gave his son to die for us. And no, everything in my life has not been perfect. And no, everything in your life has not been perfect. But he is still a good, good father. And he is still rich in mercy and kindness and love. And if we'll take everything to him, he will save our very souls and change our lives. That, my friends, is the decision that we need to make. It speaks of this word, accountability. This man with the one talent was given more than enough to meet the master's expectations. Not just enough, not not enough. He was given more than enough. You and I this morning have been given more than enough. But he totally mischaracterized the master. He was the problem. His heart was the problem. What's my decision this morning? Would you stand with me? What's your decision this morning? We're going to dismiss in a very odd way. Very odd way this morning. I don't, no music, no singing. We had our altar time and altar invitation earlier of prayer. But can I tell us something this morning? It's a mind set. When I talk about a decision, choose you this day who you will serve. It's, I love the emotion. We are a Pentecostal church. We love to worship and love to feel God and, and express that emotion. And I, I love all those things. And all those things are biblical and good. But when it all comes down to it, it's a mindset. It's a decision that I make 
and that you make. Some have come to altars through the years here and in many other places and it's only been an emotional decision and it didn't last. Some, because maybe we've hyped them up and we've pumped it up, they've come in response to the energy but it's not been a conscious, true decision. Am I preaching all right this morning? But I want to tell us this morning that we need to choose this day who we are going to serve. And are we going to serve him or not? Are we going to serve him or not? You say, Pastor, you're showing a little tough love today. Are we going to serve him or not? It's my decision for me and it's your decision for you. So here's how we're going to end this morning. We're going to make some declarations and then we're going to walk out of here and hopefully our minds are going to be made up that we're going to serve the Lord. Is that all right this morning? See, we're accountable to God. We're responsible to God. And in some ways, we're accountable to each other and we're responsible for each other. We need to prepare ourselves for greater impact as Christians. As non-Christians, we need to accept Christ and make a decision today and quit fooling around. Is that all right this morning? Are we going to serve the Lord? So I want you to repeat after me. I will give my heart and life to Christ. Let's say it together. I will give my heart and life to Christ. Secondly, I will serve God to the best of my ability. Is that all right? Let's say it. I will serve God to the best of my ability. Now, if you've made that decision this morning, you don't need me to pray for you. You don't need us to sing 15 courses or anything. But I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back.